We're beginning in this session a seven-part series that I'll call Anthem, Strategies for Fighting Lust. And our questions are going to be, what is this reality called lust in the Bible? Uh, how important is it? And if it is deadly, how might we fight it in a Christ-honoring, freeing way? And ANTHEM is an acronym. A-N-T-H-E-M. A, avoid. N, no. T, turn. H, hold. E, enjoy. And M, move. And we'll take a session on each of these. So, Father, as we begin this series of seven sessions on the deadly reality of lust in all our hearts, men and women, not just men, and not just sex, but mainly sex, I'm thinking. As we begin this, I pray that we would understand what it is biblically, how important it is, and that you would show us a strategy to kill it. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So let's try to get a definition of lust. This is probably the most familiar passage for dealing with it. These are the words of Jesus in Matthew 5, 27 to 30. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent, literally to desire her, has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away, for it is better that you lose one of your members, one of your eyes, than that your whole body be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one of your members, your hands, than that your whole body go to hell. So two things. One is, what's at stake? Hell. I mean, these are, these are as strong a words as Jesus could possibly use to tell us of the eternally deadly effects of lust that is not attacked and killed. What is it? It's translated lustful intent. Look upon a woman to desire her. Now, the reason this needs further clarification is because not all desire is bad. This word desire in and of itself is not a sinful word. For example, Luke twenty-two fifteen. And Jesus said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat the Passover with you before I suffer. That word desire there is exactly the same word as this word desire here. Everyone who looks at a woman to desire her. So we have to try to figure out what kind of desire is good and what kind of desire is, is bad. So my effort to define lust in view of this statement here, which shows how utterly 
utterly serious this is and why we need to have strategies for fighting or killing lust in our own hearts, my effort to define goes like this. Lust, a desire that we should not have, we shouldn't have the desire, because it is untethered from the purifying effects of Christ and is therefore, one, directed to the wrong object, so not your wife, but some other woman, or two, it is so out of proportion, too big, too strong, too overbearing, or unsuited, it's distorted, it's corrupted, it's been made sick or defiled in, in because of some past experience. So it's first directed to the wrong object or out of proportion or unsuited to its object so as to disorder our thoughts or our feelings or our actions. So I'm suggesting that a lust, this negative thing that we need to get rid of, is not simply desire, but desire affected or defined a certain way. Namely, it is untethered from the purifying effects of Christ and the gospel. It's just cut loose. We don't care to bring Christ into contact with our desires and see if he might be willing to purify them, or to bring the gospel that, that Christ has performed for us, the good news of dying for our sins that might bring a mortifying effect upon certain disproportionate or corrupted desires. So it's, it's untethered. Lust is untethered from Christ, and the effect of that untethering is that it has a wrong object or it's in a wrong proportion. It's directed to the wrong object, a prostitute. To desire a prostitute is sin. To desire your wife probably is not sin. I say probably because there are ways that you could desire her in a, in a sick way as well. So it's more than just having the wrong object. The wrong object for sure turns a desire into a sinful desire. And also, out of proportion. So you may have a huge desire for a tiny thing, a thing that's of very little worth, and you have a passion for it that you're willing to almost kill for because there's something wrong in its untetheredness to Christ. Or it's unsuited for its object. It has a kind of quality to it that doesn't match the quality of the object. And the effect of being disproportionate or unsuited is that it disorders our thoughts or our feelings or our actions. It, it, it causes us to do things or feel things or think things that are out of whack with reality. And therefore, 
this lust here is is sinful. It's a desire that is a sinful desire. And in this series of seven labs, we're going to look at strategies for fighting, mortifying, killing, overcoming sinful desire, especially as it relates to our sexuality. It could be food. It could be fame. It could be rising on the corporate ladder, but I'm going to focus mainly on what we need such extraordinary help with in our day and age that is so awash with sexual titillation and temptation on virtually every hand. And I would like to be of some help if I can. And what I have learned and used is that this sequence of steps, which is very, very gospel-oriented, you will see, and very Christ-oriented. It's not just a moral improvement program that any unbeliever could pick up. This is a Christ-centered and gospel-rooted set of steps that I hope you will see.